right, all right, day 289. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so today we're in the back half of this book that we call Ephesians and Ephesians is not super long, but it is super good. <laughs> I love the book of Ephesians. So rich, so deep, so much going on in this text. And if the first episode, remember we talked about, uh, is about the gospel story, this love story that has been made known to us in Christ that is, uh, about Christ and, uh, his father and <clears throat> the Holy spirit that he gives to us. What follows for Paul here is the implications, right? That this story has for our story, right? And, <clears throat> or to use the language, um, other language, to use other language. If the first half of the book was primarily about the indicatives, right? What God has done. The second half is about imperatives, what God calls us to do. So that's why he starts the chapter off and says this, therefore, right? He says, therefore, in light of everything I just told you, therefore, I prisoner in the Lord urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Stop right there. This is for free. I ain't even had this in the notes. Um, in, in, in ancient Judaism, so so Paul was, an, was a Jew before he became a, a, a well, how do I say it? <laughs> he, Paul Paul uh, is st was still a Jew even after he became a Christian. However, in ancient Judaism, there was a debate uh, among uh, many of the various Jewish groups about halakhic interpretation, meaning uh, halakhic, halak is the Hebrew word for walk, right? And so halakhic interpretation was how do we walk or uh, behave uh, the Torah? And so Paul, when he uh, receives uh, the revelation from the Messiah and, and Christianity is formed and these Christ communities are formed, he still believes in a form of halakhic interpretation. So even the New Testament is participating in these ancient uh, uh, religious and, and ancient Jewish, to be specific, uh, ways of thinking about how to live out uh, the law and, and, and God's word before him. How, for Paul, though, what's different from, from many of the others is that it's by the spirit and it's through Christ. Right. And so he says, uh, walk, urge you to walk. And by the way, I just want you to circle every time you see walk uh, in chapters four to six. He says, I urge you to walk. And in one to three, he talks about it a lot. Uh, anyway, I'm going to keep going. Keep going. Uh, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Notice the very beginning of chapter four serves as this major transition. We said that, right? Ephesians uh, one through three, many have said is the belief statement for the church. Uh, but the second half is the mission statement for the church. So Paul says, no, no, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, typical Pauline virtues he speaks of elsewhere. But he also says this, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, this is the way in which the church preserves what Christ has purchased. Right. Christ purchases our unity at the cross. Right. Jew and Gentile are made one in one body. Uh, 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 Ephesians two. But he says, no, no, there's a way that you preserve that. Right. And the spirit has already united us. But Paul says this is the way we live into this unity, the way we live it out. Right. And these are the virtues that help us maintain it and flesh it out. And I love where he anchors it. Right. Look at verse, verses four to six. He says there is one body and one spirit. Look at all the ones just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God <laughs> and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. This is this is anchored in the supremacy of God, right? We are all under the lordship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And if he isn't supreme in our unity, then it all falls short of the biblical standard. But again, for Paul, he says, 
He says this unity doesn't mean uniformity, right? We, we, we don't all have the same things. Uh, we don't all do the same things. We all, we, all, we all do different things. We all have our individual parts to play in the kingdom, right? Our individual tasks, our individual ministries, right? God has given us, right? Our own unique gifts, proclivities, talents, positions, and possessions. Uh, it's only when we operate into these things uh, as the body, by the spirit, with patience, with humility, with uh, <clears throat> gentleness, do we actually grow, right? Then are we built up as God's uh, people? And throughout the rest of four, he's going to say, no, 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 like, I'm going to mention all these things. And this is how you live in distinction from the world, right? Like putting on these virtues, living into this story is how you live in distinction from the world. You are actually patient with one another. You are actually gentle with one another. You don't just talk to people any kind of way, right? You are actually humble before one another. This is different. And only then is God's glorious temple dwelling, his people built up and brought to maturity, right? He talks about building up the church, building up the body. That is temple language. Why? Because we are God's temple, right? God dwells in the midst of his people. Uh, he fully dwells in the midst of his people. This is all distinct for Paul. And he says the primary distinction between us and the world, between our former way of life and our current is not just that we believe different, but that we actually live different. Right. I've said it before on this podcast. Listen, Christianity is not about subscription to a set of doctrines. It is about living an alternate way of life, which is the way of Jesus. Right. To the watching world and inviting them into like, no, no, like you can have some of this, too. Jesus wants to give you the same life. Right. Ephesians chapter five comes. Uh, one of the things I appreciate about chapter five is what Paul says here. He says, for you were once darkness, but how you are, but now you are light in the world. Walk, there it is again, as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Uh, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate. No, no, no. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness. Check it out. Check it out. But instead expose them. I love it. Paul will make this point in his argument that we are lights in a dark world as Christians. And one of the duties for us as Christians who are children of the light is to expose the fruitless works of darkness, right? In the same way that light illuminates and shows, right? What's in the back of the closet, right? The skeletons in the closet of someone who has been hiding it. Christians, the church should be engaged in that kind of work, exposing the injustices that go on in society, exposing the darkness that is in our own lives and our own hearts, exposing the darkness that has been prevalent throughout history in ways we can correct those things so we as a people won't uh, commit the same mistakes, right? Exposing those things. And some, and some of y'all hearing this will say, oh, no, amen, not facts. That's, that's, that's what I like to do, right? But Paul says it so interestingly. He says, in goodness, <laughs> in righteousness, and in truth. That's so good because what radically, what is radical about the moral vision of Christianity is the way we do things matter to God just as much as the things we do, right? The way we do it, right? We don't expose those things in uh, contention and in strife and in uh, uh, slander and in backbiting and in, all, in, in, in demeaning and in derogatory ways. God is saying, no, 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 like in goodness, you do this in righteousness, right? And in truth, right? God uh, cares so much about the way we do things just as much as the things we actually do. He goes into uh, what it means to be filled with the spirit and five. And he speaks of the way that this involves being filled with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Notice it is a command, be filled with the spirit. And also he has this line that, that I just love. He says, uh, he says, he says, man, also, I just want you to give thanks. Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus 
Christ. This is so big, even though it seems so small. We tend to think of being filled with the spirit as these grandiose spiritual experiences. But the scriptures are, are clear, right? That one way we can spot a spirit filled person is finding a person who realizes that because of God's goodness to us, they can proclaim that we have so much more to be grateful for than we do to complain about, right? Being filled with the spirit is about those other things as well. But Paul says, no, like it's also about being thankful. I just pray that our people, that God's people would be thankful for what he's doing in Christ today. This moves further to the household. Notice how he instructs both wives and husbands, parents and children, all rooted and undergirded by love, particularly uh, the love that is extended in the self-gift of Christ, right? So he talks about how Christ gave himself for us, right? Uh, and we are to imitate Christ, all of us. And the love we experience in chapters one through three for Paul is to be laced through all of our lives, according to chapter uh, four through six. All you got to do is take a pen and circle every time Paul mentions love. And I think uh, chapter five, verse one, kind of is a, is, a, is a heading, uh, especially for the rest of chapter five. And uh, we are to walk in love just as Christ did and gave himself, right, for us, uh, Everybody, right? Not just uh, husbands in this section, but all of us are to love one another uh, as we model and imitate Christ. Remember, Christ is not just our Lord, but he is also our example. Ephesians 6, um, so much to say, but he ends in 6. He says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace in every situation take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god paul ends off the book of ephesians speaking of what many call spiritual warfare right the word spiritual warfare is not in this text but uh the concept is right so these are the kinds of things that in many of the circles uh, that I have ran in in the past don't get a ton of airtime or talk. But the problem uh, for Paul is that, no, no, like he's like, no, like, let's be real. Let's be honest. We have a real enemy of our souls and there are dark spiritual and demonic forces that are completely against God. And therefore, because they're against God, they're against the people of God. Right. And I find it interesting that much of the New Testament language for the Christian life is spoken of, especially by Paul, in terms of warfare. Right. He's like, don't get it twisted. We are in a battle right between the unequal but opposite forces of ultimate good and ultimate evil. Right. And what is often missed um, about this text, there's so much I can say about this text. But what's often missed about this text about is, is that the armor of God language that Paul will talk about is language that is taken from the Old Testament. So he talks about like putting on all these things. And if you read the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is going to use all of the same language. And if we remember in that context, this is why knowing the Old Testament is so good. If we remember in that context, Isaiah prophesies of the coming of the Messianic king. Isaiah 11, verse 5, Isaiah 49, verse 2, Isaiah 59, verse 19. Truth, righteousness, readiness, uh, gospel of peace, salvation, all characteristics of what the Messiah has or will bring. Um and, 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 and then finally, he goes to God's word, right? But practically, this means living 
as I've said before, living into our union with Christ. In other words, Paul is saying you got to put on Christ. You have to be with Christ. You have to follow Christ. You have to do what Christ did. You have to uh, uh, depend on and lean on Christ in this life or else it won't work. Right. The devil is too crafty. <laughs> right. He, you, you're trying to fight with your own uh, uh, butter knives and, and the, devil, the devil has spiritual guns. Right. Like you, you fighting with butter knives, chief. You have to live into the union with Christ. And I find it interesting that one, we ought to have all these things. Yes. All of this armor. But 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 it's all defensive. Notice that. Notice. 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 We don't really do anything with that armor. We don't really do anything with uh, a, with, with, with with with, you know, armor on our chest right like we don't really do anything with uh a shield right like we we we, we just defend ourselves but but paul has this one offensive weapon so he says everything else is defensive but the only offensive weapon that he calls for right here at least in this text is he tells them that the sword that they actually fight with is the word oh my god he says the sword is the word of god so notice all this defensive armor and then one offensive. So we so 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 we were shielded from attack from the Messiah, putting on the Messiah, living into the Messiah, being with the Messiah. But we go and attack, shielded from the attack with the armor of the Messiah. And then we we attack with the word of God. And I just find that interesting um, for Paul. Satan has been triumphed over in the work of Christ. He can't defeat us. But what he can do is he can tempt us. And God has given us scripture. He's given us the word. He's given us the rich resource of the word, right? To stand in the midst of this scheme and in this struggle of, 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 of Satan's schemes, excuse me, and in this struggle with him. And he says, no, no, no. Like, this is not what your own weapons of willpower and empty promises to God, but it's the armor of God, the armor of his Messiah and the word that reveals the Messiah. God has given us everything we need to not just know the gospel story, but to actually live into it. And I want to just say living into this story, this ultimate, beautiful love story through which you outwardly love uh, others properly as God intended you to do is the best way to live. Don't believe the lie that there is a better way to live today than to live into this story that God has planned for eternity it has unfolded in time let's pray god i ask that we would not believe that there's a better way to live there is no other path to life and the beauty of it is it's not just that not just as jesus says it's narrow but that it's available it's available to us all god i just pray that people would submit even under the sound of my voice to live into the story god would you do it would you prompt them by the power